Father, this morning, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that we can look at you, our great shepherd, and we know that we can rest. God, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though we walk in this world where things look dreary and things look out of control and things look um, dreadful, Lord, we know that we can look to you, our great shepherd, and we know we can rest in the peace that you've given us this morning, Lord. So we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we just pray this morning that you would just speak to us through your word, speak to us through Nathan this morning as he brings your word. God, do what you want to do in us. We love you, and we pray that you be glorified in all that we do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for those in the band who came today. Thank you so much for leading us. Uh, big thanks to Pastor Lee for allowing me to share his pulpit today. Um, if you're online joining us, thank you so much for being here with us today. I know that we've had a little bit of trouble with the live stream. I've gotten a few text messages about that, but we're trying. So whether if you're joining us now, thank you for that, or joining us later, we do appreciate that as well. But let me pray for us this morning as we get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share your Word to this world. And I praise Jesus that you would use this this morning to accomplish your purpose and accomplish your will. Thank you so much for uh, just an opportunity to even have your word, to know it, to read it, to study it. And God, that you would just give us the ability to live it out. Thank you so much for the sweet time of worship that we had today. Truly, Lord, you lead us in the valleys. Lord, you lead us even on those times of when we just feel as we're on a peak sometimes. But Lord, we know that during this life, Lord, we're not going to reach perfection. We're not going to reach uh, just the, the greatest thing that we think that we possibly have. Lord, we know that we are to continue to grow in You, continue to trust You, continue to live in You, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, as we live by the Spirit, may we keep in step with Your Spirit. I pray, God, that You would speak to us this morning. Thank You so much for all that You've done. Thank You even for this technology that we have, Lord, that we can be used for Your glory. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, thank you for joining us. And if you are joining us, uh, we're very uh, glad to know that people are watching. Whoever is behind that camera on those screens right now, uh, I pray that you have had an awesome time of worship in your homes or maybe in your vehicles, wherever you may be. I really pray that God is using this uh, to grow you closer to your family and to your loved ones. Um, I do want to say this, as if you tuned in last week, uh, Pastor Philip talked about how this is a little bit different um, not used to really speaking in front of a camera, personally myself, there are a few people here just kind of spread out amongst the room, but it's a very different feel. But I will say this, uh, we don't know uh, the timing of this, we have no clue uh, when we're going to get the green light or the thumbs up to come back to meet together as a large group, and, and I know that uh, the, our Texas governor, Governor Abbott, did say groups of 10 or, 10 or less, should, it's okay to meet, and 10 or more should not, uh, but we don't know the timing on this, but when we do get the thumbs up to meet back together, I do encourage us, let's take uh, every bit of opportunity that we can to meet back together because uh, this is wonderful that we have this technology, but I do encourage you, don't let this become the new normal. Uh, as we have said over the last several weeks in Hebrews chapter 10, that we should not forsake the assembly of the saints gathering together. Uh, that word literally means to abandon. Uh, so there is power when we come together. Uh, but again, I'm thankful for this technology that we have this morning, that we're able 
able to do this. Well, as we get into God's Word this morning, I want to encourage you to go to the book of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'll give you a moment to get there with your family. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I, I will tell you this personally, I really enjoy reading through uh, these books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. I really get to enjoy them because I love seeing the advice that Paul gives to this young man. I really am uh, inspired and, and it's just really neat to see how uh, Paul endures in his faith through this. Uh, as a young man myself in ministry, and I'm about to hit kind of that 20 year mark in ministry for myself, uh, but as I look at these two letters, it speaks a lot to me as a young man in ministry, as it should to all of us, obviously, uh, but mainly speaks to me because I've always had older men in my life uh, who have encouraged me, who have pushed me, who have corrected me, emphasis on corrected at times. But I will tell you, there's always been men in my life who have given me godly, sound, biblical advice. And I'm very grateful for that. And hopefully one day and even today, but even down uh, several years down the road, I pray that God would give me wisdom that I would help encourage and build up and even correct uh, young men in their faith. And as we look at these letters... Um, in Timothy, in this very specific letter, the second letter that's written to Timothy here, we have an idea that this is possibly Paul's last letter that he has ever written. Uh, as you read through it, we see that it's actually Paul's most personal letter. Uh, very interesting here that Paul is writing this letter from prison. Now, we're not too sure if he is on house arrest or if he's in an actual prison, but we do know that he is somewhere in Rome, and this is during his second imprisonment. Now, in this letter, specifically in chapter 4, we see things, they are just not going well for Paul. And I know Paul had that mindset of, uh, of uh, or good or better, as we talked about with Pastor Lee. Uh, but we do see that, I mean, this is, this is getting tough for him. Uh, and he's not necessarily complaining, but in chapter 4, we see that Great harm was being done to him by this man named Alexander the coppersmith. And then even some of his very own companions had literally abandoned him during this time of punishment. And so Paul is now asking Timothy, please come visit with me. And he's telling him, yes, you need to be safe, but please come visit me so I can pass the torch on to you. In other words, to keep going on with the mission of the church. And in this letter, we see two very specific parts. Uh, in the first part, which we'll be talking about today, Paul does remind Timothy of his purpose, of his calling. I think that is so important for days like now and really any day that we are reminded that we, are, we have a calling on our life, that we have a purpose that God has given us for his glory and for our benefit, really. And then the second part of this, Paul reminds Timothy on how to deal with corrupt and ungodly teachers and theology in the last days. Uh, and to this second part, I would say, I really believe, and we can back this up scripturally, that we are living in these last days. Please don't be naive. And just what's going on around us today with this COVID-19 scare, just the other day, I saw a video of a televangelist 
telling people to literally put their hand on the television screen and to pray this specific prayer and my anointing will come through the, the television screen and if you pray this, t- this prayer, you will not be infected with the flu or the coronavirus or whatever else is out there, any kind of sickness. And this, this person is literally saying, if you, if you receive my anointing and you pray these specific words, you will not be infected by any, any of this. Please understand that is unbiblical. It is ungodly. That is not what Scripture teaches us. Please be careful of that. Also, look on social media. I've seen several people, uh, not necessarily our people, but I've seen just several, several people post things about the reason the coronavirus is here in the United States is because of the sin of abortion or the sin of homosexuality. Listen, there is no way that we can actually back that up. Please do not speak things that God has not already spoken in His Word. It's very dangerous. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, if you did that, you were punishable by death at times. So please be very careful that we are not speaking what God has not already spoken Himself. And then the other day, I saw another message of a preacher who said that these churches who are now meeting online and not in person, well, guess what? That includes us, but these churches that are meeting online and not in person, they do not believe and follow the New Testament teachings and are probably ashamed of the gospel. I kid you not, I heard that. It's kind of crazy. Please understand, Christians, don't get caught up in this. Don't get caught up in, in the, the, these lies and also these, these uh, motives that these preachers may have. Uh, that's a very scary thing. What we need to do as Christians, obviously during this time, Jesus is very, very uh, clear that we are to repent ourselves, uh, that we are to turn from ourselves and turn towards God, not just in crazy times, but in all times. But this morning as we look in this passage, like I said, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to go to verse 12. But as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to see something that is very, very important and a reminder for us. We're going to see the flesh versus the spirit. We're going to see fear versus boldness. And we're going to see man's mortality versus God's promises. So as I said, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 6 and go all the way to verse 12. Look at what Paul says here. He says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift that God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, His prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us, and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Starting in verse 6, Paul tells Timothy, he says, fan into flame that gift of God. So here's the question, well, what is that gift? 
Well, if you read throughout 1 Timothy and also the rest of 2 Timothy, it seems that Timothy has this flaming white-hot gift of an unashamed courage to speak openly of Christ and to even possibly suffer for the gospel. So how does this relate to us? What about us? Okay, so what are we doing to fan into flame that gift that God has given us to further the gospel and to help build up our church? What are we doing as individuals? What are we doing as a church to fan into flame the gift that God has given us? Several weeks ago, during one of our staff meetings, uh, we were actually talking a little bit about this subject, and I know Pastor Kenny came up after Pastor Lee was done leading our devotion, and he kind of piggybacked off of what Lee was talking about that morning with our staff, and he was asking our staff individually, what is it that you're doing that helps build you? What are you doing to fan into that flame? How are you growing? How are you uh, building yourself up? And as we went around the staff, we, you know, heard different responses. Some of them were, uh, you know, pretty clear and, and pretty, you know, easy to understand. If you know our staff pretty well, I'm sure that you could probably guess it. But uh, some of them were very interesting, very eye-opening. Uh, as I thought about for myself, for me personally, I constantly have to be in God's Word I'm not a big reader myself. I'm not one of those that where I can sit down and just read a book for an hour, even two hours like some people can. I have to read for about 10 minutes, then take a 10-minute break, and then come back another 10 minutes later. I just, I'm just i very distracted myself. I, I'm, I'm usually preoccupied in my head with something else. But for me personally, I love to get to read Scripture because I love seeing those aha moments for myself in Scripture. I have to personally sit down Look through God's Word and pray, God, teach me. God, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge, Lord, that I can literally live out your Word as best as I can. And when I begin to do that, it really builds me up and I fan into flame that gift that God has given me. And I will tell you personally myself, when I do this, it gets me more excited to share the gospel with people. And I love seeing how people build up themselves and fan into flame the gift of God. Several, uh, actually, it was a little over a year ago, in our D group, we have three young men in the D group that I lead. We had challenged each other to say, "Hey, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for uh, pray for opportunities to share the gospel with lost people. That's what we're going to do as a D group." And so we began to pray. And two weeks later, as we met up. We started talking about, so how is this thing going with you praying that God would give you an opportunity to see lost people and an opportunity to share the gospel, to have gospel conversations? And one of the young men said, it's amazing. He said, I've prayed multiple times this week, and just this week alone, two people have approached me about Jesus. And I will tell you, that is nothing of ourselves. That is completely God. And we are to fan into flame. And I will tell you for that young man, it fanned into flame in his relationship with God. We are encouraged to do that. Now look at verse 7. This is a very popular verse, probably a very popular verse of what's going on right now. And it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. What a great reminder that the Spirit of God who lives in every single believer is not one of timidity. Now, some translations might say fear, which is, yeah, which is fine, but I like this word timidity here because in the Greek, uh, this word that Paul uses is actually uh, interpreted as cowardice. You see, God in His Spirit 
helps us to not cower away from our purpose, from the gospel in, in, uh, in, in uncertain times like today, and even normal times. The Spirit of God is not one that gives, us, that gives us a coward spirit. No, it is a spirit not of timidity. Now look around. Watch the news. Look on social media today. And now this is not everyone, but we can see fear-mongering at its finest. And people are overly buying into it. Let's be honest. Even Christians today are buying in to this idea of fear that's going around us. Now, should we take it serious? Absolutely. Should we take precautions? 100% yes. Take precautions. Don't be dumb. Wash your stinking hands, okay? Make sure you're not breathing in someone's face, okay? Nobody wants that. But yes, we are to take precautions, but we are to not live in fear. And Paul's saying that when we do these things, this is not of God. So Christians, we are to not live in fear because the Spirit of God gives us power, that dynamos power to be bold for the gospel and to be bold to live a godly life in godless times. And then he says, a spirit of love. Listen, love does not come from ourselves. That is a fruit of the Spirit, as you see in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. For the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love does not come from us. And we have been challenged by Pastor Lee to literally increase the love. Everyone is in need of love. And when we submit to the Spirit of God, that's how we are able to love someone the correct way. And then also, the Spirit of God gives us self-control. Self-control for what? Well, to trust in the peace of God during this time. Think about this. As this world is being lined with fear right now, even when things are tough in our own personal lives, we can still have peace. John 14, 27 tells us this. Peace I live with, leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as what the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We need to submit to the Spirit of God and allow Him to work through us. Now let's look at verses 8-10. through 10. Paul says, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality uh, to light through the gospel. Now we see how powerful the message of the gospel truly is. Listen, the gospel, believe it or not, uh, believe it or not, the Christian life, when you believe the gospel, believe it or not, it is also a life of suffering. But it is also life-changing. And one thing we also need to understand, Christians, and never forget this, it is not earned. We see that we cannot save ourselves according to what Paul says. We are not able to save ourselves. You're not saved by your works. You're not saved by your good deeds. No, we are only saved by the finished work of Jesus. This world, To this world, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to this world is foolishness. And yet the world is teaching us to rely upon it that we should rely upon our paycheck, that we should rely upon the government, that we should rely upon grocery shelves that are fully stocked. And I'm not trying to make light of this situation, okay? I understand there are people in need, 
But please understand this. Out of anything that I really say today, I hope that you understand this. This world has nothing that we need. This world literally has nothing that we need. That is in the patterns and the designs of the human nature. But what we do need, we don't deserve, yet God has kindly provided it for us. His Son, His very own Son, His grace, His forgiveness. Not this world, but Jesus alone is our provision. He provides exactly what we need. Listen to what it says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own self. Each day has enough trouble of its own. My goodness, how true that is. God provides us salvation. He provides us exactly what we need. And salvation is not a righteous act or fulfillment of man. No, it is fulfilled by the obedience of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the obedience of Jesus Christ that He suffered, that He died for us, that He rose from the grave, providing us a way to heaven, providing us a way to have a relationship with the living God. Now let's move on to verses 11 and 12. And Paul says, Of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him for that day. In Jesus Christ, there is hope. Not just for this day, but for days to come. There is always hope in Jesus Christ. You see, hope is not just a wishful type of thinking. It's not an idea of something that could possibly happen. It is the confidence and assurance for this life and this life to come. That is that Jesus is my hope and that His grace is all we need. As I said earlier, about looking around, turning on the news, turning on social media. I really believe that this is just a glimpse of what no hope looks like. I mean, people are fighting over toilet paper, over food, over bottled water. And again, I'm not making light of this situation because I know that there are people in need of that. But yet Paul, to us, he seems to know what real suffering is. And I think sometimes we get confused that, oh, we're suffering because we don't have this. We're suffering because we, we don't have that. Paul says, I have committed my life to the person of Jesus and His gospel. And yet I stand not ashamed. I want you to think about Paul. Man, he faced death several times, yet he stood not ashamed. He was beaten three times publicly, yet he stood not ashamed. He was stoned and left for dead, yet stood not ashamed. He was shipwrecked three times. He was robbed multiple times. He stood condemned in the eyes of both the Jews and the Gentiles, yet he also endured the coldness and nakedness. And even his own brothers had abandoned him. And he says, I stand not ashamed, because Paul understood that in crazy 
terrible, uncertain times, that hope is not based upon G- or hope, hope is not based upon this world, but hope is based upon Jesus and what He has promised. As Paul says, I know because I know. Christians, I want you to think about this for yourself. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, to not fix your eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our treasure is not on this earth. Jesus, the one who stands at the right hand of God, He is our treasure. So no matter how scary or how heavy this life may get, or whenever we feel hated, or when this world just seems to crumble around us, if our hope is in Jesus and not this world, we will stand not ashamed because we know whom we have believed. Listen, as a parent, I want my children to know who they believed. I think about Pastor Sean and our children's ministry and our staff there. They want our children here at the crossing to know whom they believe. I think about us as a youth staff, Andy, Bob, Hillary, myself, that we want our students to stand unashamed because they know who they believe. I think about Pastor Lee and Pastor Kenny and Pastor Philip, that they want our church as a whole to know whom they have believed. And the one that we believe, he is able, he is worthy to keep all of his promises. Not is He only faithful in this life, but He is also faithful in death. Paul says here, I stand not ashamed because I know whom I have believed, and I know He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Jesus is faithful to His promise. I'm going to ask the band if they would come back up here and and get ready for our last song that we're going to sing together. But I want to encourage you this morning to not lose hope. Don't get distracted from that. Jesus is faithful. He is faithful to you. He is faithful to Himself. He is faithful to His Word. He will keep His promise. He will not abandon us. And what we have decided to commit our lives to, Jesus is able and He is worthy to hold on to that. So today, if you're behind this camera and maybe you're watching and you have never experienced a brand new life in Jesus Christ, maybe you have never put your faith in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that today. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned. In Romans chapter 3, it tells us that for all have sinned. That's everyone in this world has fallen short of the glory of God. That's His standard of perfection. We can't meet that. We can't reach that. And God knows that about us, so He sent His only Son to come into this world to die in our place, to be our substitution. And He died a criminal's death upon a cross. And He died and He took His last breath and He was buried. Three days later, He rose from the grave and He conquered sin. He conquered death, proving to this world that He is God and that He is faithful and able to keep His promise. And maybe that's you today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I pray today that you would put your faith in Jesus. Find someone around you. Maybe if there's not anyone around you, all you need to tell Jesus is that you're sorry for your sin and ask Him to forgive you and to save you and to trust Him with your life. Because when you give your life to Jesus, He is faithful to keep that which you've entrusted to Him And He is faithful to keep that promise. Jesus will not turn His back on you. Not in crazy times like this. Not even when times seem normal. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not 
break His promise. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to You right now. And I thank You so much for Your promise. Lord, I pray that we would stand not ashamed of the Gospel. We would stand not ashamed of the person of Jesus Christ because we know that You are able. Lord, we know that You are worthy. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we can settle that in our hearts and our minds today. I know that there's always a battle going on around us. Jesus, help us to trust You because honestly, there is no one else that we can trust for our souls, for the eternity for our souls. Jesus, I pray during these, these times right now as things do seem uncertain and a lot of people may have questions, I pray, Jesus, that we do not get caught up in all the, uh, the fear and the chaos, but Lord, that we are able to trust You. Lord, we know that You have not left Your throne. We know that uh, none of this has caught You by surprise. So Jesus, help us to understand that we are to submit to You we are to live our life for You. God, how we live our lives during these times truly matters. So Jesus, help us to be convicted of where we're wrong. And God, may we repent and turn to You. God, thank You so much for all that You've done for us. I pray that You would just speak to these families today. I pray, God, that You would meet with them. God, I pray that You would meet their need. Thank You so much, Jesus, for being our provision to give us what exactly we need. The salvation for our souls the forgiveness for our sins, and a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for loving us. And I pray this in your name. Amen.